Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyFeud.com, a premier destination for daily fantasy sports. Fantasy Feud offers daily contests for all sports and a wide array of game offerings. Play in their high-stakes $1 million NFL championship or try one of their NFL season-long leagues where you draft a new team each week. Join Fantasy Feud today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4. I get a 50-pound bag of oof for the mutts. Five carrots on my hands with the cuts. And something I want Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. It is now week 14 in the NFL so welcome to any first-time listeners who maybe want to give this DFS thing a shot after getting knocked out of their season-long leagues. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. I am 4 for 4's senior DFS editor, Chris Raybon, joined as always by one of the great minds in DFS and fantasy football, my co-host TJ Hernandez. What's going on, TJ? What's up, Chris? Uh, just looking forward to, to the stretch run. We're down to the last month. I'm sad to see... Uh, lucky week 13 go uh it was a good week for uh for the chalk for once which is always nice for us uh but i'm ready for week 14 definitely uh week 13 was a really good week uh, we got a lot to get to today our dfs theory topic will be on the impact of loose salaries uh, particularly on DraftKings. but first i do want to mention the song that played us in it was one of my favorites all about the benjamins remix that's Puff Daddy, back when his name was really Puff Daddy, featuring Jadakiss, Sheik Looch, Lil' Kim, and the notorious B.I.G. off Puff Daddy's 1997 album, No Way Out. Now, we were just off the air and uh, talking about Jadakiss being on this song. He's in my top five rappers of all time, and uh, you were saying how you liked him as well. And uh, I think you should uh, give the listeners a little... A little preview of that, the sound effect, the Jadakiss sound effect. Uh, you, you, I don't know if I can hit it like, like you or Jada because I'm not from, but the... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, do it again, do it again, do it again. High volume. Yeah, Jada was dope. He was, uh, they had the lock back day in like the, the mid-90s. And then uh, I remember when Jada had his solo album right when I started college. That was one of my favorite albums. But all about the Benjamins is, I mean, I think that's one of the most... Uh, fitting dfs songs that could be right we're all about that shmoney i mean yeah we're trying to get our hands on some grants like horace so you know <laughs> <laughs> i really uh thought that song was appropriate shout out to jada kiss um so let's move on if you have been listening every week you already know we do a free dfs subscription giveaway uh and to win you basically have to go and rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and we choose a winner at random from everyone that rates and reviews uh, within the week. So the winner of this week's free 4 for 4 DFS subscription is Accidental Guru. Pretty cool name, Accidental Guru. So congrats to you. Please email DFSMVP at 4for4.com. <clears throat> Excuse me, to get your free DFS subscription. Again, that's Accidental Guru. Please contact DFSMVP at 444.com to claim your free subscription. Let's jump right in to some week 13 takeaways. And my first takeaway from week 13 was Antonio Brown must have the strongest protective cup <laughs> in the NFL because that celebration was crazy. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't do think like he knows. A, a version of like the old Andre Risen celebration, but he took his feet off the ground or something. 
I, I really don't know what he was thinking. I don't think he knows. He almost pulled the, the poor security lady's hair out. Um, that was standing on the other side of the goalpost. She, he grabbed the goalpost and he grabbed a little portion of her hair, and uh, luckily he slid off and let go. But it was a crazy celebration. Yeah. If he would have got hurt, that would have been like borderline. Was it Gus Ferrat that gave himself the concussion? Oh um, yeah, I think that was a, yeah. yeah he, he headbutted the uh, he uh, scored the, a touchdown in the, the wall. Yeah. Right, yeah, I remember that he was in like nine right seven. There. Good memory, man. Yeah. I was watching that game. I boot was that against the Giants? It might have been. I forget I don't who I forget who it was, but I remember I was watching that game live, and it was like in the late nineties. Um, but yeah, that that was reminiscent of that. And imagine, imagine losing Antonio Brown, pretty much oh, for the season for that. Probably one of the top five most valuable players in this league, especially when you count the fact that he can return punts for touchdowns like that. But uh, we move on to another Steelers-related takeaway for me. Four for four, we have. On our DFS subscription, something pretty cool, pretty unique. I've talked about it a couple of times before on air. Stack value reports. Basically, we take our projections for each individual player and we combine them into projecting projections Excuse me, for every two-man, three-man, and four-man quarterback receiver stack. And then we divide that by their salaries, and we get a valuation, and now we have a valuation of every two-man stack, every three-man stack, and every four-man stack for every team in the league, and what actually happened this past weekend was 4 for four's, uh third-ranked three-man stack, which was Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Martavis Bryant on FanDuel, was... In the winning lineup in FanDuel Sunday Million and in the second place lineup. And then our top ranked three man stack, which was Cam Newton, excuse me, Greg Olson, and Ted Ginn, was in the third place lineup in the FanDuel Sunday Million. So those stack value reports on the 4 for 4 DFS subscription proved to be very valuable last week. And uh, just wanted to point that out. And then my final takeaway was the DraftKings Millionaire Maker winner had Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, three-man stack, and he had D'Angelo Williams in the Steelers' defense. So he had five Steelers in his winning lineup, and I've been preaching this all year, but do not be afraid to pair up supposedly negatively correlated players. Over and over, it's been happening this year where these unorthodox kind of stacks are in winning lineups of the large GPPs, and that's because the correlation coefficients for all of the positional pairings are calculated using every game. They're using all games, so they don't reflect the weekly outliers. They don't reflect the teams that just dominate on a given Sunday, and in those games, while in most games uh, it will be difficult for maybe a running back and a receiver to both hit value. Um, In games where a team dominates, where a team puts up 40, 45 points, there usually will be three, four, five guys of value on that team. And when you're only looking at the correlation coefficients of the different pairings, you're failing to account for the salary involved in each. You know, if a player is really cheap, it doesn't really matter if he's negatively correlated with another player because you're getting great value. Remember, you're up against the competition, which is everyone else, and you're all using the same salary cap. So as long as you can extract more value out of the salary cap than your competition, you're still going to be in a good spot, even if you have a negatively correlated by the numbers pairing or stack in your lineup. So that's something that I really wanted to point out. I've been trying to point it out all year because I've been really studying these winning lineups in these large GPPs and just noticing that you know people aren't really going by the book with just a plain old quarterback receiver stack or running back defense stack. A lot of times very unorthodox. It's quarterback, running back, wide receiver. It's running back, receiver. It's, it's a defense and a quarterback. It's a lot of different things. So Keep that in mind if you're really trying to gain some differentiation on your lineups in large tournaments. So that's what I have as far as my week 13 takeaways. TJ, what do you got? That was, that was damn near its own theory uh, segment on its own just now. You just dropped dropped all kind of knowledge on the correlations. It sounds like we have a 
uh, off-season study that we might have to do coming up soon. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's some good that's some good stuff right there. Uh, my big takeaway from week thirteen is something that I've mentioned briefly on the podcast, and uh, um, something that I probably haven't paid enough attention to throughout the year, and that's paying attention to uh, expected game pace. Uh, there's a couple ways you can you can project game pace. Obviously, if it's a high scoring game, uh, you can expect more plays. But there are uh, stats like uh, Football Outsiders that tracks uh, offensive pace in terms of uh, seconds per play. And then you can also just uh, do some some crude math by yourself and look at uh, plays per game, um, depending by either just a team themselves or um, all teams against uh, a specific team. I'll touch on that uh, a little bit more uh, with one of your your quarterback picks coming up. Um, But it's really important to note and something that you might want to take into account when uh, projecting your players or or if you're in a coin flip situation where you're you're deciding between a couple players. Uh, And where that really stood out to me uh, last week was the Philly New England game. That was two. Uh, that was a game with two teams uh, in the top five of offensive pace, and we saw a very high-scoring game. Uh, despite um, big defense and special team numbers from Philly, New England uh, still put up a lot of points, especially Tom Brady, and that had a lot, a lot to do with pace. Uh, and then Dallas Washington was on the other end of the spectrum. Two very slow-paced teams uh, expected a very low-scoring game, very few offensive plays, and that held true. Uh, almost to the uh, end where there was a, a little mini offensive explosion, uh, but for the most part that went as expected. Uh, so that's something to think about when when you're building your DFS lineups, any fantasy lineups for that matter. Uh, just consider how fast or slow teams play and what effect that can have on um, on the other team. Definitely, great point. And uh, for anyone out there who plays. NBA DFS, you will be very familiar with this concept of pace and targeting teams in the fastest paced games. And that's something that is very prevalent in NBA, but I think, as TJ mentioned, does tend to get a bit overlooked in NFL DFS. So those are some great takeaways. Let's move on into our positional picks. Now, one of our regular listeners... He's on Twitter, at Chris Littman. He asked that we spend a, quote, inordinate amount of time this week on running back and wide receiver. He said it's pretty murky at running back after LaShawn McCoy, and he doesn't really know what direction to go at wide receiver. And, you know, we're all about the listeners here at DFS MVP, so we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to try to go a little quicker through quarterback and through the other positions, tight end, kicker, defense, so that we can really spend a lot of time on running back and wide receiver. So let's start out. Let's run through quarterback. Jameis Winston against the Saints. That's the chalk play. He's 7,800 on FanDuel. He's mm-hmm. 5,500 on DraftKings. The Saints pretty much have to be targeted every week, uh, especially at quarterback. They are last in 4 for 4s schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. They are last in quarterback rating allowed, 116.6. New Orleans is last in passing touchdowns per game allowed at 2.9. So that's ridiculous. They're giving up three touchdowns per game. They are second to last in passing yards per game allowed at 287.4. The Bucks have a team total of 27 this week. That is significantly higher than their season average of 22.6. And Winston has accounted for 85% of the Buccaneers' offensive touchdowns this season. He actually has five rushing touchdowns, one more than Doug Martin. We move on to Russell Wilson, a guy who's been playing out of his mind lately. He's at Baltimore, 8,500 on FanDuel, 6,300 on DraftKings. He's averaging 293 passing yards and 3.7 passing touchdowns over his last three games, playing very well from the pocket. The Ravens rank 27th in 4-for-4's schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And I will conclude with Tyrod Taylor. He is at... The Philadelphia Eagles, he is 7,500 on FanDuel. He's 5,400 on DraftKings. He has back-to-back games with at least three touchdowns. He's uh, He goes as Sammy Watkins goes, really. And Watkins has a great matchup against the Eagles, who rank 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They are also 29th in 
schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And over their last three weeks, the Eagles' defense has really struggled. They are allowing 298 passing yards per game and a 13-2 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. And TJ, I know you quickly wanted to touch on pace uh, in regards to the Eagles. Yeah, uh, like I, I talked about pace in the intro, uh, Eagles are the fastest-paced team, according to Football Outsiders, uh, in terms of seconds per offensive play. Uh, so that got me curious to see uh, how that was affecting the teams that they played, um, if if that if they're able to, to push the pace of the other team or if the other team um, is able to, to slow down if they want to. What I found is that teams facing the Eagles are averaging uh, 68 plays per game. Uh, the league average is right around 62 uh, plays per game. So that's that's roughly a 10% increase, which is a pretty significant amount when you consider that's almost um, a full extra drive per game. And if you look at the rest of the offenses across the league, um, only one team uh, runs more than 68 offensive plays per game. So uh, if you just took uh, Philly's opponents as as one team, they would run the second most plays in the league. Uh, so that that bodes well uh, for Buffalo just because we can expect uh, a higher volume game uh, in a very high scoring game. Uh, so that makes Tyrod a good pick, like you mentioned, and then that takes us right into running back. Our um, our request from Chris Littman, he mentioned uh, LaShawn McCoy, who uh, is a very reasonable uh, choice at running back for the reasons we mentioned, uh, because he has been uh, seeing quite quite a bit of volume of late. Um, there's a little bit of narrative street with the with the revenge game uh, narrative. Uh, going back against the Eagles, uh, we all know how LaShawn feels about Chip Kelly. My only concern with Sean McCoy is that uh, throughout the season, and especially the last couple of weeks, uh, LaShawn McCoy hasn't been getting uh, many of the goal line looks. He only has three touches inside the 10 over the last uh, six games. Uh, he he lost a few opportunities last week because I think he went in for concussion protocol right when Buffalo uh, was was about to to get in a scoring opportunity. Uh, but still, over over uh, that week, recent sample, he hasn't been getting a lot of those scoring looks. Um, I think that could change this week just because, like we mentioned, there are going to be so many scoring chances. Uh, but another guy that I like, if you're if you're a little uh, shaky on shady. Uh, but you want to stay in that price range. A team we mentioned already, the Buccaneers, their lead running back, Doug Martin, um, especially on DraftKings where his price is a little discounted uh, relative to his price on FanDuel and relative to the other top running backs. Uh, Doug Martin's $8,000 on FanDuel, which makes him the second price running back, but he's only uh, $6,200 on DraftKings, which makes him the fourth price running back and makes him a lot more affordable. Uh, Tampa Bay's favored by... Three and a half at home. We're always looking for those heavy home favorites. Uh, it's not a super heavy home favorite, but three and a half is a pretty significant number. Uh, New Orleans is not only bad against uh, the pass, they're just bad on defense overall. They rank 32nd in adjusted fantasy points um, allowed to running backs. And Doug Martin's been the workhorse. 20-plus uh, touches per game, over 40% team uh, touch share. And he has been getting looks uh, inside the 10-yard line, unlike Shady McCoy. Uh, since week seven, Doug Martin has seen uh, the most touches inside the 10 of any running back, tied with Jonathan Stewart with 13 and looks. The only problem with Doug Martin is that he's only converted one of those uh, touches into uh, touchdowns. But I think over a, a relatively decent sample size, we should expect that number, number to normalize a little bit. Uh, usually running backs convert roughly 23% of their touches inside the 10 into a touchdown. Uh, he's only at, at 7% over the, those last 13 touches. So it's something we saw with Adrian Peterson earlier in the season. A lot of touches inside the 10, those are eventually going to turn into touchdowns and big fantasy days. Um, another running back I like, who I already mentioned, is Jonathan Stewart. Uh, Stewart's $7,200 on FanDuel and $5,800 on DraftKings. Uh, the Panthers are favored by 7.5 at home, so again, uh, a favorable game script situation for a running back against a defense that struggles against the position. Uh, the Falcons rank 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, the knock on Jonathan Stewart has always been his touchdown upside because of Cam, but like I mentioned with Doug Martin, Jonathan Stewart's tied for the most touches inside the 10 uh, since Week 7. 
uh, and an inflated team total uh, suggests that the Panthers should have more scoring opportunities, uh, which should naturally lead to uh, more goal line work for Stewart. Uh, in a similar price range, a guy that has been a monster of late is Thomas Rawls. He's slightly more expensive than Jonathan Stewart on FanDuel, so I'd probably prefer Stewart uh, on FanDuel, but he's priced the same on DraftKings. Um, there. There is a little ambiguity on the line for this game. Um, I've seen it on Covers.com where the Seahawks are favored by nine um, at Baltimore. Uh, There's also quite a few books like Pinnacle and I think Bovada who don't even have a line for this game right now. Uh, But we should expect Seattle to be favored. Um, In in four or five um, starts for Thomas Rawls, he has 20 touches or 100 yards, so he has a a very reasonable floor, and he has a touchdown in three straight games. And we've seen that Seahawks uh, offense kind of firing on all cylinders of late. So, again, we could see um, a really, really good game for Thomas Rawls, uh, given all those factors. And... There aren't too many. There aren't too many uh, really cheap guys at running back, but one guy that really stands out is Sean Drone. He's sixty-five hundred dollars on Fanduel. He's only forty-eight hundred dollars on DraftKings. Uh, since becoming the starter, Sean Drone uh, is accounting for over forty-four percent of the 49ers' touches. Um, only Darren McFadden has a bigger touch share this season, and uh, he's been he's been uh, a pretty high floor guy just because of. His work in the passing game, uh, no running back has more targets per game. Since Jerome became the starter, he's averaging 6.3 uh, targets per game. Uh, a lot of people might kind of shy away from this game just because it has a really low team total, but both of these defenses have struggled a lot, and I think we can see something similar to Cleveland and Baltimore from a couple weeks ago uh, where a game had a really low team total, uh, but we saw two uh, really bad defenses just give up a lot of points, and I think we could see a similar outcome this week just because uh, Blaine Gabbert hasn't been horrible uh, for the 49ers. He's actually been quite serviceable, and then Johnny Manziel is always a wild card. He's going to be starting again, so uh, this is a game where if you are a, a sports better, and don't don't take this to the bank because I'm not, but if I was, I'd probably bet the over on this game. Good stuff there. <clears throat> and one thing I want to point out is I spoke earlier about these unorthodox stacks winning big tournaments, and I noticed that a lot of these running backs, Doug Martin, Jonathan Stewart, Thomas Rawls, their quarterbacks are also really good plays this week. So Mm -hmm. you might want to think about stacking Winston and Martin, stacking Newton and Stewart, stacking uh, Russell Wilson and Thomas Rawls. Not a lot of people are going to do that. Pretty much expose yourself, yourself every offensive touchdown, touchdown um, potentially, potentially in, in a game. So if a team puts up 40 points or so, you're going to be in a really good spot with that stack. So great picks there. I hope uh, that fleshed out some of the, the, the running back situation for this week uh, since uh, we got a lot of questions about that. And let's go into wide receivers. I'm going to run through quite a few of these guys. Odell Beckham, he's at Miami, 9,300 on FanDuel, 9,100 on DraftKings. He's got five straight 100-yard games. Miami is in the bottom 10 in terms of fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They've given up the sixth most over the last three weeks, so OBJ looks primed to make it his sixth straight 100-yard game. Antonio Brown, he's in play every week. I don't need to spend too long on him. Allen Robinson, same situation. At this point, I wouldn't even worry about Vontae Davis. I think Allen Robinson is just better than him. Uh, Then we have A.J. Green, I normally only like to play A.J. Green on the road just because he has ridiculous road home splits. And I say road home splits because A.J. Green flourishes on the road. He's averaging about 100 yards per game on the road in his career compared to 60 at home. So A.J. Green, everything says he has a really good matchup. And I think he'll have success. Um, But he's just a a guy I personally usually stay away from when he's at home, even in some of those better matchups. Mike Evans, he's 8K on FanDuel, 7,200 on DraftKings, going against the New Orleans Saints. They rank 29th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receiver. Evans has been getting 10 targets per game this season. Great option to stack with Jameis Winston. 
Then we have Alshon Jeffrey, a guy who burned a lot of people last week, had a pretty quiet game, had 85 yards, but only four catches on 12 targets. His price is down $900 on FanDuel from week one, and it dropped 200 from last week. It's dropped significantly from where the season began on DraftKings as well. Uh, but he has gotten 11 or more targets in six out of seven games this season, and he only played 54% of the snaps with an injury in the one game that he didn't. So he's definitely an option against Washington. He'll probably be low-owned this week just because he burned everyone last week, and there are just a lot of options across the board. Eric Decker, one of the most consistent wide receiver plays this year. He's going against Tennessee. He's 7300 on FanDuel, 6400 on DraftKings, and he's another guy whose price just seems to be going up way too slow. He has had 80 yards and or a touchdown in every single game that he's played this season. Tennessee has allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers over the last three weeks. And this Jets-Tennessee game has a similar feel to the Titans-Jaguars game from last mm-hmm. week. When you think about two teams with pretty poor secondaries, you know, yeah. and that's assuming Darrell Rivas is still out, the Jets secondary They've, they now rank 28th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Their secondary really isn't good without Revis. Antonio Cromartie really been struggling. Reports are that he'll pretty much is a, he pretty much is a lock to get cut in the offseason. The Jets have two uh, big receivers in Marshall and Decker. Marshall also a good play there, but Decker really solid cash game option every week. They use him in matchups so they can line him up in the slot. And they can line them up outside, wherever the matchup dictates. Great option there. Sammy Watkins, uh, a guy with a lot of upside. He seems like the perfect tournament play this week. He's very affordable on both sides. The Eagles rank 32nd in 4 for 4 schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So they're dead last. Watkins has 100 yards or more in two straight games and three of the last five. He's averaging 25 yards per catch over the last three weeks, and only four teams have given up more 20-plus yard receptions than the Eagles over the last three weeks. So Watkins really has blow-up potential. He was completely torching cornerbacks deep down the field these last couple of weeks, and Byron Maxwell, Eric Rowe, whoever the Eagles trot out there, At corner on the outside, Watkins should be able to have his way with them. Uh, The only worry with Watkins is his target totals have been a bit inconsistent. So that's why I say he is a a tournament play and not really a cash play. Another guy to look at, Brandon Cooks at Tampa. He's 7,100 on FanDuel, 6,200 on DraftKings. He has six touchdowns in his last four games after five in his first 18 career games. So, you know, now Drew Brees is really starting to uh, connect with Cooks. The chemistry is starting to develop. They started out pretty slow, but this game has the highest over-under of the week at over 50 points. And uh, there's going to be a lot of ownership on Tampa Bay players. And we've talked about this before, but in, in, in the same game, when one passing game goes off, the other passing game, the pressure is on them now to, to keep pace and... Brandon Cooks is clearly the Saints' top target at this point, and he might go a bit overlooked just because there's a lot going on, as I mentioned, at wide receiver. So Brandon Cooks in a really good spot. The Bucks are 23rd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Then we have Doug Baldwin at Baltimore. He has been balling over the past month. He's 6,800 on... FanDuel and a complete steal at 4,500 on DraftKings. The Ravens have allowed the fourth most fantasy points, raw fantasy points, to wide receivers. Baldwin is averaging a six-catch, 108-yard, 1.5 touchdown per game uh, over the last four games. So he's putting up wide receiver one numbers uh, over over the last month of the season and facing a pretty weak uh, defensive team, as TJ mentioned earlier. And then there's still Danny Amendola 
<clears throat> another guy who might go a bit overlooked just because there's so much going on. He's 7K on FanDuel, 5,200 on DraftKings. He's averaging 12 targets per game over his last three and 8.7 receptions per game over his last three. So even in a tough matchup versus Houston, Amendola's basically, he's not the same receiver as Julian Edelman, but he is getting the same type of target uh, volume as Edelman. And because Tom Brady is his quarterback, he is viable pretty much no matter what the matchup is. What do you have to add to that, TJ? Ooh, I think that that uh, calls for a rewind with all those picks in that short amount of time. Uh, there's a lot of good plays right there. I just want to tack on a couple things to a couple of your picks. Uh, you mentioned that Alshon Jeffries. Uh, ownership percentage is probably going to be driven down based on his performance last week. Uh, but I think he is a top regression candidate since since the bye week. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey ranks third in uh, team red zone target market share. He's accounted for uh, 32% of Chicago's red zone targets uh, since their bye week. And that includes a game that he missed against Denver. Uh, so his true target share is uh, even higher. Uh, he hasn't converted any of those uh, looks into touchdowns. Um, similar to running backs, wide receivers usually convert around 23% of their targets into touchdowns. And uh, before this year, when Alshon's health, healthy, uh, he's converted roughly 27% of his red zone looks uh, into touchdowns. So we should expect some of those red zone looks to become touchdowns uh, against Washington secondary. That ranks 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing, opposing wide receivers. Uh, you mentioned Decker, always a safe play, especially lately. He leads the league in red zone. Uh, targets since week seven. Uh, interesting note, uh, Decker and Marshall are one and two in red zone targets uh, over that same span. And then one uh, punt play that I think is is a little interesting. I think people might scoff at until they dig into it a little more. Um, Anquan Bolden, since Blaine Gabbert took over uh, as the starter, Anquan Bolden is averaging over 10 targets per game. Uh, granted, it's only over a three-game sample size, but two of those games did result um, in 90-plus yards, and San Francisco's facing a Cleveland secondary that ranks 27th in adjusted fantasy points uh, per game allowed. Uh, two opposing wide receivers, and as I mentioned with Drone, I think this game can be higher scoring uh, than a lot of people think. And if you look at uh, his recent volume relative to um, other wide receivers, like I said, he's averaging over 10 targets per game with Gabbert. Um, on FanDuel, no wide receiver priced uh, outside the top 10 is averaging uh, more than 10 targets per game. And on uh, same on DraftKings, no wide receiver priced outside the top 10 is averaging more than 10 targets per game. Uh, so from a volume and price perspective, Bolden's uh, some of this you should at least take a look at um, if you're looking to save at the position. And before we move on, I just want to remind our listeners that FantasyFeud.com is the place to play one-day fantasy contests. You can now join their NBA contests, which are live on the site, in addition to NFL, NHL, PGA, and NASCAR. Contests start for as little as $1, or you can even try it free and play for points to redeem in their store. If you're looking to cash in, they have a $1 million NFL Feud of Champions contest where they are giving out $250,000 to first place. Over the last few weeks, their qualifiers to this event have had massive overlay. Last year's winner took home the first place prize with a $2 satellite entry. Go to FantasyFeud.com today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with the referral code 444. That's the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4. But jumping into tight end, um, it's a little ironic that this week we're, we're doing uh, our theory based on loose salaries. Um, tight end running back and, and defense, as we'll get to, uh, a lot of players actually price very properly and there aren't a ton of cheap options. Uh, so it's really interesting we chose to do this week. But uh, uh, tight end is especially tough this week. Um, and because of that, I think it's probably worth paying up for uh, a guy who's been pretty much the safest option uh, throughout the year at this point. That's Delaney Walker. Uh, Delaney's $6,100 on FanDuel. Uh, he's $5,600 on DraftKings. Um, he leads all tight ends in receptions, and he offers relative value um, in two very different ways on FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, on FanDuel, uh, Delaney is priced fourth, uh, but he's only $600 more uh, than the uh, tight end 12. Um, so relative to the other tight ends, he's really not that 
expensive, and he, he offers a lot more safety uh, than, than most of, of the other players at his position. Um, on DraftKings, Delaney's priced second, but he's $1,300 less than the top option, Greg Olson. So uh, relative to uh, the only other player that's really in his tier, he's at a huge discount. Um, so that's just one interesting thing to note just because uh, – there's value offers itself in all kinds of different formats. It's just not absolute. It's relative. Um, so that's something interesting I noted, uh, noticed with the prices um, on the two sites for Delaney. Um, and then we've talked about this game uh, quite a bit, the Tampa Bay and uh, New Orleans game. If you want to get a, a cheap piece of a passing game, uh, Ben Watson is only $5,300 on FanDuel. Uh, he's only $4,400 on DraftKings. Uh, since his big breakout game against the Falcons, which I think was on national TV, uh, Watson's averaging over seven targets per game. Uh, he's fifth in fantasy scoring over that span. Uh, and Tampa Bay, they've struggled. They struggled against the pass pretty pretty much uh, uh, in, in every spot, but they, uh, they struggle against the tight end as well. Um, they are ranked... Uh, they're in 20th, uh, 22nd in just a fantasy points allowed uh, to tight ends. And we think this game will be high scoring. Uh, so I think uh, there's a good chance that Watson should at least get some opportunity uh, to score. And in our notes, you wrote in Gary Barnage and Anthony Fasano, and I'm not going to talk about either of them because <laughs> I refuse. Uh, that was just actually a joke. I, I <laughs> don't actually recommend those guys uh, at all. I just wanted to troll. Those are the only two people that I've blocked on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, there, there you guys go. That That's why I did it. <laughs> um, okay, good stuff there. Um, I was wondering, is are you – because I, I was looking at Austin Safarian Jenkins, and normally yes. I would love to play him in this game, but I looked at it. He only played about 30% of snaps, so are you yeah, kind of waiting for – Yeah, he's an interesting for, spot. Um, yeah. I, I think he's uh, worthy if you're playing multiple GPP lineups. I think – He's worthy of rolling out just because despite playing the lowest uh, percentage of, of snaps tight ends for Tampa Bay last week, he did uh, out-target any other tight end threefold. Um, he had six targets. So I think that's a situation where they're probably easing him back in from injury. We should expect his snap share to go up, but I'm generally not looking to uh, put players in a cash lineups based on speculation for an increased workload. Uh, but he is probably going to be a low-owned guy in a good spot with a low salary. Uh, but again, if I'm making multiple GPP lineups, I think it's fine. If I'm only making a couple or I'm, I need him as a, as a core player, I'm probably staying away from it. Definitely, yeah. A lot of, lot of risk there with only 30% of snaps. That's a really, really low number. Um, okay, let's move on to kicker. Uh, Connor Barth, the Buccaneers kicker. We're continuing the trend of targeting the Saints. Uh, the Bucks have one of the highest team totals. It's about 27, uh, give or take, depending on which book you look at. And that's one of the highest of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is 4,600. The Saints are 24th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to kickers. And then Cairo Santos, a guy who's had huge upside this season in certain games because the Chiefs are just that kind of team that – struggles to put the ball in the end zone at times but the Chiefs actually have this week's highest team total at 27.8 the Chargers rank 31st in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to kickers so give Cairo Santos a look as a home favorite at $4,700 TJ I know you're sticking with that same game uh, for your top defensive play yeah, uh, we've talked about correlations all year. We talked about correlations at the beginning of uh, the podcast. Um, kicker and defense is a correlation that actually is is one of the stronger correlations in fantasy football. Uh, so Kansas City has a really they're in a really nice spot. Uh, you mentioned the high team total, but they're also huge home favorites, which is obviously great for a defense. Uh, Kansas City's favored by ten. Uh, they're ranked second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, we're always looking for teams that can get after quarterbacks uh, that can stop the pass just because that's how teams tend to score is through the air. Uh, San Diego, man, they are, they're free-falling. They, they now have the lowest projected team total um, on the slate 
this week. Ooh. They're projected for only 17. I mean, that's an offense that I loved coming into this year. I've always been a big Phillip Rivers fan. Um, but, yeah, San Diego's just in a free fall. I didn't think we'd see them uh, ever projected as the lowest uh, projected team. But uh, that just goes to show how bad it's gotten in San Diego and KC's trending the opposite way. Uh, so I think Kansas City, $4,800 on FanDuel, $3,200 on DraftKings. Uh, they make for a really nice play if you can afford them. Um, I mentioned earlier, uh, salaries are pretty tight when it comes to defense. Uh, but if you do need to save a couple bucks, I think a really interesting play is the St. Louis Rams. Uh, they're one of the slower-paced teams in the league, so uh, they can slow down the game just because uh, their offense is so slow. Uh, they're cheap. They're fixed $4,600 on FanDuel. They're $2,800 on DraftKings. Uh, this game has a projected point total uh, of 40, uh, 40.5. Um, I think the spread is only one, um, but they are favored. Um, at, uh, at home, and it's a situation where we have a very good D line uh, for St. Louis against a very bad uh, offensive line uh, for the Lions. Anytime you you find a spot where uh, a defense can pressure the quarterback, those quarterback pressures they often result in sacks, and those pressures also uh, result in in turnovers a lot. Um, so again, shout out to to Football Outsiders for their for their some of their advanced stats. Um, if you look at adjusted sack rate, uh, St. Louis ranks in the top five in adjusted sack rate. Detroit ranks uh, in uh, the bottom ten in offensive line adjusted sack rate um, allowed. So it's a spot where I think we could see uh, St. Louis put some real pressure on Matthew Stafford, and I think that can uh, uh, turn into to some solid fantasy points for the Rams. Uh, anything else to add to defense, Chris? Oh uh, no, that was uh <clears throat> that was pretty pretty much what I had. I, I do like the uh Seahawks yes. a- as usual, but they are they're a premium option obviously, but Matt Schaub has just been throwing pick sixes in game after game after game. So, you know, I like the Seahawks roll stack. I like you know, I like I think it's one of those weeks I mentioned about those stacks. I think this is another game where I think the Seahawks could dominate. I think you might not be too bad off going with Wilson, Rawls, Baldwin and the defense, so yeah, that's a that's another play I like there. But why don't you take us right into the DFS theory segment on looser salaries? Yeah, uh, let's talk about it. This is something that I've been harping on for for a couple of years now. Uh, we've talked about it in our in our bankroll segment earlier in the season uh, that uh, you don't want to go into any given week um, with a with a rigid strategy, not just on lineup construction, but on on how much you play, uh, why you're playing a certain amount, um, you know, when you should play less, when you should play more. Uh, this is very specific to DraftKings because it's something that's kind of been a trend, uh, especially since they introduced their Millionaire Maker tournament. Uh, DraftKings has, uh, in general, just had looser salaries compared to FanDuel. It's been a lot more open. Uh, we've seen a situation where uh, fill-in players, their their prices aren't um, adjusted for uh, when when they're thrust into starter roles. That has a little bit to do with the fact that uh, DraftKings uh, releases their salaries on Sunday night, so not everything is always adjusted for uh, properly, uh, injuries or or personnel changes. Uh, but I think it also has to do with the fact that every week DraftKings is trying to fill up a a tournament where they're paying out millions of dollars where sometimes the entry to that single tournament um, is over a quarter million, sometimes half a million. Uh, this week they adjusted it so it's only a $3 buy-in. Uh, it's it's going to be near 1 million entrants. Uh, so when a site is trying to fill a tournament with that many uh, players with that many entrants, they don't want a situation where sellers are super tight and there's just going to be tons of massive overlap. By by opening up the salaries a little bit, making some some really, really good players cheaper and allowing people to to uh, to build their their lineups in, in more unique ways, you get a lot more unique lineups when you need to fill a million different lineups. Um, there, there are always plenty of iterations to, to fill that out, um, but still, they, they, want, uh, they want a good user experience. Um, but that has some, some very specific effects 
uh, on the player, on how you should approach uh, your lineup strategy and how you should just approach uh, your buy-in strategy. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that uh, long-term I've been more profitable on DraftKings, so I've moved a larger portion of my money to DraftKings, um, but sometimes you you have to make slight adjustments based on the week. And if salaries are very loose, um, then maybe you have to play a little more, even if it is your favorite site. Uh, so I'm just going to go over some of the effects that these loose salary caps can have, and some some adjustments you should make, and maybe some considerations you should you should take when uh, these salaries are very loose. Uh, not just on DraftKings, but any site. Uh, so the the first thing is the effect that loose salaries can have on roster construction. Um, naturally, if if you have uh, very loose salaries, then you're going to be able to roster more studs. Uh, where I've seen this, the, the, the classic example uh, has been at quarterback and running back. Traditionally, DraftKings just doesn't price their quarterbacks very high uh, in general, and it's a site that uh, isn't conducive to quarterback scoring. So that kind of makes sense uh, just because of the bonus structure, the 100-yard games. Um, but uh, also we've seen it this year a lot with running backs. Um, I mentioned how salaries come out on Sundays, so uh, players players that are backups like uh, uh, Sean Drone and, and Rawls, uh, their salaries don't always catch up in time, so you get these very high-volume uh, running backs at a very affordable price. Uh, what that does, if you can afford those guys at a cheap price, well, you're naturally going to spin up on your pass catchers. Uh, we know from, from past uh, studies, uh, from discussions we've had on here, that uh, no matter how good the the wide receiver is, um, that's a more volatile position. So if you're paying for your wide receivers, uh, you're going to have very expensive guys that are very volatile. Uh, and you also have a situation where, um, where unique users can roster virtually any, any stud pass catcher and oftentimes uh, any top running back uh, they want to uh, just because salaries so are so loose. Uh, what that naturally does, it just makes um, a higher variance uh, competition uh, in any, no matter what game you're playing, uh, because everyone can roster more studs. So even if you have beginning players that aren't able to properly target matchups and value, they can just fall into better lineups because uh, where if salaries are tight, uh, we have to maybe just target that one pass catcher we can afford, or they can throw two, sometimes three of them, and they automatically have a higher scoring lineup. Uh, what that does to your roster construction uh, is it it causes a situation where maybe you have to start uh, purposely choosing more volatile lineup construction, even in games like head-to-heads or cash games. Uh, because you know salaries are looser, that's going to lead to higher scores. Uh, so something that I've been implementing the last couple weeks, I've been favoring quarterback wide receiver stacks even in my cash games because I know these scores are going to be very high. We saw it last week. Um, and because salaries were loose, I was in a spot where I was rostering Cam Olsen stack, and I also had um, D'Angelo and Antonio Brown, and that was in cash games. Uh, but if you if you didn't go after that high correlation, you just went for a very safe high floor but didn't pay attention to the volatility and the ceiling well you're taking these traditional concepts of how to how to build a cash lineup and they're not winning strategies anymore because so many people have these very high scoring lineups uh, another effect that it could have is that uh, because there's so many options because you can roster so many different players that maybe uh, a guy like myself or I only play a single cash lineup every week well now I'm playing multiple lineups because there are so many options, and I feel like I need to have exposure uh, to other players. So if if you're someone that plays exclusively head-to-heads, which I do, now, I have, now I'm rolling out multiple lineups, only playing head-to-heads for my cash games, and that's more volatile because one lineup might not do well, one lineup might do okay, but I'm not going to have uh, the opportunity just to have that one solid lineup against all of my opponents. Um, so there, there are a lot of effects that this loose roster construction can have uh, not just on on everyone else's lineup, but how you should approach uh, how you build your own lineups. Um, there, there's some people that will argue that maybe this isn't a big deal because we still have um, a skill advantage being the, someone that, that is pouring over these stats. You still have an advantage over the average player, and I think that's true to an extent, but... This is a game where the, the margins are very thin. The advantage is, is very small. 
and there's so much information out there about NFL that um, even the best players in the world are maybe winning 60 to 65 percent uh, of their games. Their their edge is you know maybe two to one if they're phenomenal. Uh, if you take even a couple percentage points away and you get a spot where a brand new player or an average player can roster some of the best players in the league every week, well now maybe your your advantage is only 55 percent, um, and it's turning more and more into a crapshoot. Uh, so you can see quickly how that can lead to your your weekly volatility, um, and I would argue that this is probably uh, better for the novice players and takes away some of the skill advantage from the more advanced players, just because those novice players can accidentally fall into better lineups. Um, and it also depends on uh, what your goals are. Um, if you're trying to maximize your upside for the season, if you only play NFL, well, then maybe you're going to embrace these loose salaries, embrace these vol- this volatility, uh, because it will give you more volatility is naturally going to lead to more upside. Uh, but if you're someone that's looking to grind out a steady return on your money, that's just looking to, to grind um, cash games, well, th- then you're in a situation where you should really pull back the reins on your weekly buying because that's a very volatile week for you. You're just trying to, to keep that floor high uh, of, your, of your income. Uh, so that's, that's a reason, and that's the way I, I tend to approach the game. That's why when these salaries are very loose, I tend to lessen my, my cash game uh, my, my cash game buy-ins and usually just my overall buy-ins for the week just because there, there's going to be so much volatility. You're going to be playing so many good lineups uh, that, that those are just things you need to consider when, uh, when a site like DraftKings loosens up these salaries uh, in favor of, of filling up these big tournaments. Uh, so that's my, that's my spiel on, on what's going on at DraftKings. Uh, I mentioned it's a little bit better this week, um, but it's something you have to take into consideration. Just don't don't set your 15% uh, with 90% cash games and just blindly do that every week. Uh, sometimes you need to pull in the reins a little bit uh, and save yourself that volatility, especially if you're only playing NFL, um, and just just take a just play a smaller volume when these salaries are very loose. That's my advice uh, for when, when that's happening with salaries on a site. Um, yeah, you mentioned um, you mentioned a, f- a lot of important things, and one of the things I think was interesting was you mentioned that on you're playing pretty much exclusively head to head, and I think that's yeah. a that's something to take into account with the with the loose salaries because I think in head to heads that's where you're going to start to see because of these loose salaries you will face opponents that maybe aren't playing anywhere near the chalk, but they're still able to get. You know these combination of players that can just blow up just because there are such loose salaries, and you might just get really unlucky in a given week and face a lot of head-to-head teams that you know have players that weren't really on most people's cash game radars, but because the salaries were so loose, people were able to get these players in their head-to-head lineups. I actually prefer to play more. 50-50s and games like mm-hmm. that on DraftKings and then play more head-to-heads on FanDuel. That's always worked out a little better for me. I think on DraftKings, when you're playing in a, a 50-50 league with the loose salaries, you mentioned with these running backs and how these running backs are consistently underpriced based on volume. And I think that that's something that we're in kind of a bubble in this DFS industry mm-hmm. and the people the people that follow us on Twitter and the people that are listening to these different podcasts out there all the great ones throughout the industry we're in a bubble and we know that volume is pretty much the most important thing for running backs we know that volume is more important than efficiency so i think in a game like a 50-50 we can still use those loose salaries to our advantage because we can pretty much hit the ball where it's pitched, so to speak, kind of take what DraftKings is giving us. And, you know, even though we know that we should be rostering these these cheap running backs that are slated to get a lot of volume, rarely are those running backs 80, 90, 100% owned, even 70%. So we can usually still gain our advantage in those 50-50 type of contests just by going with the chalk, going with the volume, and playing to our advantage with the, with projections because another thing is that with these loose salaries, well, DraftKings in general is just, I think it's it lends itself to, as you mentioned, people who are pouring over more of these stats because 
because of the yardage bonuses and because of the full yes. point PPR format, it's easier to accurately project a DraftKings score than a FanDuel score because FanDuel with the half point PPR and no yardage bonuses, touchdowns get emphasized. Touchdowns are the most volatile statistic in fantasy football. It's usually either zero or one, sometimes two and sometimes three. And if you're a quarterback, sometimes four or five, but you get the point. It's it's an integer. It's a it's a I shouldn't say an integer because they're all integers, but it's, <laughs> it's 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 only like a it's only a single singular number. You know, one two three four zero one two three four five. Yeah, whereas yeah. yardage, there's so many different possibilities yeah. that it's a lot easier to project, yeah. and even uh, receptions, things like that, are easier to project. So DraftKings rewards people who can make more accurate projections. Where if on FanDuel, if you're playing in a game like a fifty fifty or a double up, you could make good picks. But those picks, if they don't score touchdowns, it might you might still fall below the cash line. I think an interesting yeah. example is a guy like D'Angelo Williams last week where he had 134 yards. He caught a few passes. On DraftKings, that was great because he got the yardage bonus, three points there. Then he got full point PPR. He ended up pretty much getting a whole extra touchdown in his score over what he would have gotten on FanDuel where he didn't get any any extra for those for that for those 134 yards he only got half as many points for his receptions so it, there is a, a a bit of a difference on DraftKings and FanDuel and I've personally found that on FanDuel I like to play more head to heads where I can just use my skill level to uh, kind of pick the players that I think have a good mix of consistency but also touchdown potential. And on DraftKings, I play more 50-50s where I'm just trying to use the salaries to my advantage and just do well enough to finish on top of the cash line, not necessarily try to blow people out by winning 90% of my head-to-heads, which I've, and I know you have, even last week on FanDuel, TJ, uh, <laughs> I know you won about 95% of your head-to-heads. I've had a couple of weeks uh, this season where I've won uh, north of 90% of my head-to-heads on FanDuel as well. So I think FanDuel in general lends itself a lot better to head-to-head and DraftKings because of the loose salaries like you mentioned. If you're playing head-to-heads on DraftKings, just beware that it, it might be a little easier for a, a novice or a beginner to, to beat you in. And it just, there's just more variance there in general. So those are those are pretty much how I look at FanDuel and DraftKings. I think DraftKings lends itself better to projections. I think FanDuel, you have to you can't go a hundred percent according to the numbers. You have to take into account a player's touchdown potential, and that's why we always talk about these red zone looks and red zone opportunities. I think I think those pertain a lot more to FanDuel. Whereas on DraftKings, you can have a perfectly fine cash game score and have most of your players not score touchdowns as long as yeah. they kind of hit the yardage and reception projections that you have for them so anything anything more to to add to that tj Uh, i think we pretty much covered it all i did just want to reiterate that uh this conservative strategy this dialing it back um pertains uh to people that are on a on a conservative bankroll uh, that that can't easily replenish, and especially if you're just playing NFL, uh, where it's already a short season, and if you're trying to play conservatively, you don't want to add volatility to an already short season. Definitely, definitely a great point there. So that about does it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. At the top of the show, I mentioned that we give away a free 4 for 4 football DFS subscription every week on the DFS MVP podcast. So once again, to win a free 4 for 4 DFS subscription, go on iTunes, type in DFS MVP, rate and review the podcast, and next week a winner will be chosen at random from everyone who rated and reviewed, and the winner will be announced at the beginning of next week's DFS MVP podcast for week 15. Can't believe the season's already almost over. And that will do it. You can find TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Be sure to check out 444.com, the tools section for a lot of cool tools. The player workload app shows how many 
what percentage of touches a running back is getting. Very useful app. We have a bunch of cool DFS tools. I think I talked about this last week, but on the DFS tab, we have a DFS player pricing tool now where you can look at what percentage of the cap he is. You can look at his price change from where it opened the season uh, from last week. You can sort. And so that's a really useful tip, uh, tool, excuse me, to uh, pinpoint players who might be undervalued just because of some variance and some salary drops that have gone unwarranted. So check those out. Good luck in week 14. Let's get this money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do that. <laughs> More liquor, driving a bro bigger. I'm with most sippers, watched by gold diggers. Rocking bajor denims with gold zippers. Lost your touch, we kept owls. Popping crystals, freaking the three-quarter reptiles. Enormous cream, forest green. Binge Jeep for my team. So while you sleep, I'm a scheme. You see through, so I nobody never gonna believe you. You should do what we do, stack chips like. Don't let the melody intrigue you, cause I leave you. I'm only.